Hello, everyone. Welcome to Voice Up with Kobe Sincere. So I'm going to post this to Anchor um, after we finish tonight's session. Make sure you check that out. In about a week or so, we're going to have all streams for podcasts, including Apple. Um, but yo, let's get started. Pull it up. Welcome for the night. We got Voice Up, episode two. Um, first things first, of course, what we're doing tonight, the, the main topic is being conscious or being woke in our black community versus the conspiracy. So there's some, some conspiracy things that, you know, come around some some talk, like things that have happened in our community. And I think like it's really important for us to kind of talk about it. Right. So uh, we also going to talk about talking to your kids at home about police brutality. All right. Um, we're going to first. I want to just my team, like want to thank everybody for the support, for um, supporting my book, Love Through My Eyes, Sincere, getting a lot of love. Um, all over the place. And I like, again, I said, I'm super humbled by it and I super appreciate it. A lot of friends have been going ahead and following Future Leaders and Innovators of Atlanta, which is one of my organizations, my nonprofit mentor, me. And of course, you guys tuning in to Voice Up. All right. And, you know, this week, we're going to take a slight pause on love, sex, and relationships for obvious reasons, right? Like, there's a lot of things going on. We want to give people a platform to kind of talk about it, um, you know, everything that's going on. Of course, we only got 60 minutes. I'm going to try to keep it for one live this time. Um, but there's a lot of stuff to talk about. And first thing, honestly, I just want to kind of talk out with some little bit of vulnerability. So, um, you know, I had a lot of long conversation with my brother and some friends, some homeboys that knew me for a long time. And it was kind of like a confession period for me where um, I myself had a little bit of running with police brutality about eight years ago um, in New York City. You know, of course, it was just a simple traffic stop. And, you know, in honest truth, like I made it home safely to my family, which is the most important part. Right. Like I made it home to my family. So, you know. It was about eight years ago, but I realized like in this traffic stop, I, everything that you know I'm about to share, um, I kind of blocked it out, kind of just put it in the back of my head and my emotions and everything about it, mostly because just about it feeling like it's an embarrassing state. Like it was just something that was truly embarrassing to talk about. Um, sorry about that. But we have to kind of step and like use these type of platforms to have conversations with people to let like I know in my book, like my pain is your pain. So like I said, eight years ago, being pulled over for a simple traffic stop in New York City. Um, you know, I, at, at that time, I think what the biggest thing about it was like even being in my late 20s, I didn't really know my rights or even like the cans and the cannot that could be done by police when you get pulled over, right? Like I didn't really know anything about that. Um, not confident enough that if I did pull up, get pulled over in a simple traffic stop that I can confidently say to, to uh, handle the police officers in a certain way that I'm completely aware, like I'm good and I'm gonna either take a ticket because I'm not wrong or get out of it because I know that I'm absolutely right. 
so they pulled me over. And before I knew it, they just kind of tugged me out of the car. Completely tugged me out of the car. Um, kind of just put my face down into the hood. Uh, various times they were like throwing me to my knees by my tires and grabbing the back of my neck so tight that I could like feel the pressure on my neck, like rising to my head. And they like illegally searched my car, you know, like I said, all for a traffic stop. Now, in the case of everything, you know, I think back, like, like I said, I didn't really know how serious that was just in the fact of it being embarrassed about what the situation was. But I honestly feel that, like I said, in vulnerability, trying to share with the world, like, I think one was the most important part about me being pulled over in the bottles police in New York City um, is that I made a home to my family. Super important because the clear conversation that we have been having, um, unfortunately, uh, for a long time now, is that the friends and our families, our brothers, our sisters, who have been pulled over, don't make it back home to their families. And that's the most important part of why myself and the whole team of you out there now just in unity, like really trying to fight this cause, because it's an important cause that we've seen and that we're done with. It's over for it. We want no more parts of it at all. So, you know, I say that, but what I realized even having a conversation with my friends is that me being pulled over even years later and remembering what happened, what they did, there's no way I'm going to go back in the time, you know, just for through the thoroughness of um, statute of limitations, like to try to have some type of like lawsuit against NYPD for what they did to me for that traffic stop. Um, but I realized, you know what, I'm not a victim. And I know that using this platform for particularly these, these type of platforms and talking to people about it and using this platform to have conversations with everyone and knowing that we can support each other in these situations. Because like I said, one of the most hurtful parts about this is that our family, our friends, our brothers, our sisters, our aunts, our uncles, our cousins, they don't make it home. So, like I said, for me, even though I made it home to my family, I realized this was a traffic stop. Like, I'm not going to be a victim to what they did. If anything, I'm going to be a victor. You understand what I'm saying? I'm, I feel like this is something where it's important. People have to realize, like, yo, we have the power to fight that. And it's not anything that I'm saying is something upon violence. But the, some of the things that we've been doing as a community for the last week or so, just to kind of rise up, is super important. Like, this is something that we have to realize is something we're capable of, Right destroying the system. And I know that we can do it. We just got to stand up and stay standing. Right. Um, and like I said, I'm going to use voice up in these type of situations to have conversations with the community to make sure that like we use each other to be victorious every day. And like whatever, whatever part you have in the community, we actually push each other to make sure that we are fighting this systematic, sorry, systemic racism and all these police brutalities, like we stand together, really fight it like in the best ways. And like I said, I'm, I'm kind of proud of the way that some things that I see, just the people like I, I associate with me, associate with or through my timeline, they just become more powerful every day just because we are in that unity, right? But we got to keep it up. Um, so first thing I'm kind of going to do for the night is just go into some questions into my, that was in my direct message in Instagram. Um, 
And I'm going to sit through just a couple of through. And like I said, besides the uh, main topic for the night, we do have a special guest coming to talk to you guys. So um, I'm going to actually jump into the first question. So and I had to update this just like a couple of hours ago because obviously they um, updated the, the charges. But the question was, what is the come of the most current charges? Now, if you're not aware, and I don't even want to give those officers light by saying their name at this point, but I will say the main officer's um, current charge has been upgraded from third degree to second degree. And the remaining officers have all been charged with aiding and betting in that second degree, which is super powerful, right? Like that's something that's a big step. But for me, even just answering that question, like the work is not done. The work is not done. It's just, it's, that's something that we know that like, that's what we pushing for. But I think we, we all know like where this route has ended in some other situations and specifically around police brutality, right? When they go to court and they've gotten off. Um, and I have my own personal thoughts about it, but like trying to stick into the question, like I said, like, this is a good step, but we got a lot more work to do. A lot more work to do. Um, another question was what can happen as a result of these convictions? So I assume that um, the person who asked me this was saying like, all right, so let's say they get convicted. All hands down, guilty or whatever charges is final. Um, like, what do we go as a community from there? And like, honestly, just watch CNN, seeing some things that happen on, on social media, just people who are speaking up about this type of awareness, um, things that can happen follow up. Like, I feel like these things that we work on right now, these things that happen all as um, after the fact as well, you know, when we win this. And that's like raising awareness around police brutality, right? Like, just understanding like these situations, like I, it's because of so many situations. I'm not saying we sitting here trying to spit out specific facts um, every day just by a name, but we do have to understand that there's some important events that happen that, yeah, there's some things we should know, especially in our own hometowns, right? Um, raise awareness around general law, right? Like I said, when I got pulled over in New York about eight years ago, just for a traffic stop, you know, in my heart, in my mind, I knew they were absolutely wrong. And especially the way they handled me, absolutely wrong. But if I don't have, I'm not confident enough in just general law to know like what I can say to keep myself safe or keep myself out of trouble, even in situations where I can get them into trouble. Just people knowing, having basic general law knowledge is super helpful, right? Um, I heard on CNN today, like uh, one of the attorneys speaking about just go ahead and getting rid of the chokeholds and the excessive force training. Like this, this can actually happen, which I didn't even know just from finding out today. Like if we could put that in order, like why are we not doing it? Right. Like take the time to think about like, why are friends, um, like people not, uh, like putting some effort into something so serious, like super serious. Like why aren't we fighting this? Um, he also mentioned like increasing zero tolerance for certain these laws and regulations around when police are filmed with excessive force. Right. Like not every situation is necessarily going to end up in a death of one of our people. But like my situation, even if a person is caught using excessive force on film, 
there has to be some type of zero tolerance policies put in place to handle these officers who are actually doing it, right? Um, what else did we talk about? Uh, oh, making it ways, making it easier to sue the police department, right? You you know, just doing simple things, any type of thing in litigation is expensive, especially for a family, right? So if you're making it, these policies align with what we want to get done, simple things like suing a police department, making it easier for families, even if it's like civil court, makes it just makes it makes make that much more of an impact, right? Um, something else they mentioned was like something I guess I like I said like I'm still growing, I'm still trying to do my research and make sure these type of things I'm I'm aware of, but also, um, you know the like economic revitalization in these broken neighborhoods that have been proven by statistics to be hindered by police control. Right. Um, and that's a big one. Like, I think I definitely wanted after some time this weekend, I'm going to spend some time like diving into that to like really do some research behind that. Um, another person asked me, should the charges be pushed to first degree. Now, again, like I said, I had to do some research around that, right? Like what the degrees are, I'm really trying to understand. I'm still learning, like I said, and I'm not an expert at all. But um, even it being moved from third degree to second degree is a big thing. And my understanding is like what they were saying about second degree doesn't necessarily involve like a sort of calculation, but a person who commits second degree murder does not premeditate or deliberate before committing the act of murder. So in this case, even that jump from third degree to second degree, like it's going to be a hard one to prove. Um, just like what even this is motive behind it, right? Anywhere from going with thinking where third degree might've been something that is so deep that he was something in his mental to second degree where it's like he has some kind of malice intent, right? Um, and of course, first degree murder just like involves actual calculation, which just what, like I said, watching CNN um, earlier this afternoon, them talking about uh, how it was harder to go to first degree murder because of the evidence that they have, the current evidence that they have. Um, they did ask that, you know, the community, if anybody has any video, anything that helped the situation, different angles, something else. Um, it will perhaps maybe in time be able to push it to first degree murder, but right now still at second degree. Um, and to be quite honest, you can come up with your own personal feelings about it. When you read that and you, you start to understand what these degrees of murder are. And for me, the eight minutes, eight plus minutes of that man doing what he did. I don't necessarily know with such calm and just behind it. I don't necessarily feel like it wasn't calculated. You no. Know, and there's, like I said, more parts of it that fit, make me feel like them possibly working at the same place. It's like a lot of little small nuggets behind it that let me feel like this man was moving in a very calculated way. And I, I like, I can't accept the fact. I mean, I understand that we, we, we want to take it to from, you know, we want that piece to like take it from third degree to second degree, which is important, but it's just so much behind it that made me feel like this is this should end up being a first degree murder. Um, 
so with that kind of being said, like part of the topic um, for the night was being conscious versus conspiracy, because there's so many things that go along with, you know, media in person. Like when you talk, when we, we actually talk amongst our friends, like we, we form our own opinions. We talk about things we feel good about what we're saying. But a lot of times, you know, just because we see social media moving the way that it does, even just news media, um, it might actually like really drive our opinions as opposed to us kind of forming it. Right. Like if it's like we read about it or something and it was particularly just fact. So I guess in, in my in my personal opinion, like this is part of me even diving into my own personal purpose and like thinking about it. But. I've always had second nature thoughts about conspiracies. Like I'm a conspiracy person. Like I'm like, I was always a person to look at something and read something and see something in, in the media and go, nah, I don't know, man. I don't sound right. Something not, something's not right about that. Like I'm not really feeling that. Like something really didn't stick with it. Some, something the information feels like they were leaving something out or there was something that it, they, they didn't for, for a fact that wasn't really true. Right. Um, Take Black Blackout Tuesday. Now, I personally, I loved it. I loved the fact that we were able to kind of stick together as a people and do something that was immediate and impactful, super powerful. But I think even with that, even though I love the union behind, I know a lot of people were just confused about really what it was, right? And like how to move with it and what it was, what you were exactly you were supposed to do. And I know people put put a post, but like I said, a lot of people got confused. So it wasn't necessarily a lot of things that maybe some people in the beginning maybe did wrong with it. But I understand the purpose. Like I know it was a strong effort to get everybody to do something that we were supposed to do in union. So I could pretty, I personally loved it. But, you know, part of that conspiracy was that there were a lot of people who felt like, what are y'all doing? If the purpose is to black out, we should be silent. No, but if the purpose is to black out, we should only black out the the uh, these uh, major corporations and businesses that don't support Black Lives Matter movement. And or this this whole blackout situation was a ploy to just silence us. Right. To kind of just like simply like if, if it was. But you got to understand two things. One, even when I taught my students in second grade about the different types of protests, there is such thing as silent protest, right? So it wouldn't necessarily been a bad thing, even if it was, it just, it just would have been a different type of protest. But on the other lines, I think, like, I understand, like, we want to keep flooding, flooding media and let them know, like, there's things that are still happening. We see it. We're m way more conscious than we have been before. And that's the power behind it. So, but I get it. But I feel like these type of situations, when we are trying to empower ourselves, this easily twisted between media to kind of find a way to, like, um, to, to push some type of conspiracy to kind of like make us doubt uh, the way that we're going forward with it, right? Um, and I feel like for me, like, I feel like I, I owe my old, I owe my ancestors and the, the oldest grand elders in my family, like an apology, but slash like giving them my oath to definitely push myself to know my history. Right. So there's certain things that I think even come for cons conspiracy just from the past, like like the, the meme or post that I saw that said and I, I didn't even notice. And I have I teach I have taught history to kindergartners all the way up to 12th graders. But even with kindergartners, little kids, kindergartners to fifth grade, I've taught history and I've actually 
received brand new books for a library with the pictures of civil rights in black and white. But I have family members who lived at that time who had colored pictures, and I've seen these pictures online when they were actually taken in color. If that's not a conspiracy, I don't know what is. Honestly. Like, it's, it was literally just promoted that way just to make us feel like civil rights happened a long time ago. Everybody and their mama know that was not a long time ago. Okay? My parents are from that era. So it's not, I'm telling like, it's not a long time ago. So, like, I feel like this conspiracy around to make people, like, even as an educator, like, me trying to explain it to them, and they're, they're thinking, I'm trying to explain to them, like, the difference between 1962, 1965, 1968, and 2020, and just doing the math. And I'm trying to tell them, like, you know, like, your grandmother probably was, like, already born or born around that time or they were going through these things. And now it's like, if you go home and you ask them about it, they're like blown away. Like it's, just, it's kind of a conspiracy to them. They're like, my, why would the textbooks make it seem like this happened such a long time ago, bro? But it really wasn't, right? Um, and I know like as far as conspiracy goes, like it goes deep. You know, I'm not trying to take the conversation to another place, but at the same time, you know, for me, like I grew up in an era where there was like all talk about aliens, or stem cell research to clone humans, right? All these type of wild, crazy um, conspiracies that threw people off of certain things. And personally, I always think that they drop this this stuff into media to take our minds off other things. Like that's a big one for me. When they drop something in media to take it, take your attention off other issues or problems like wars um, or death of a celebrity, right? That we care about. Um, and you know, I've always kind of pushed myself in a direction, like trying to understand these things and see through the lines or like read the small print. And like for me, like this, this, this conspiracy lives like vigilantly through our black community just around certain things like Aaliyah's death or Left Eye's death or um, even the fact or Kobe's death. There was some like conspiracy around that and it still is. Um, or even... The fact that this, and somebody tell me if this is if I'm wrong, but literally after all these years, still no convictions for Biggie or Tupac's murder. Right? Like there are conspiracies out in our black community. We realize like this is something with media is controlling what was going on. Think about it. Right? Like I feel like this there's a situation that people are actually they care about these issues, but we get so distracted so easily. And I'm not saying just we as black people, but like just people in general. We get distracted so easily by what media is talking to us and feeding us every day, even on our feet while we moving our fingers, right? That there's so many things that throw us off what the purpose of what we're supposed to do, right? Or what we the purpose of what we're supposed to focus on, right? The things that we really truly care about. I say that all to say is that I was actually kind of heartbroken. And like I said, you know, I don't really know guidelines for like doing these podcasts and lives. So I'm not going to mention no names just yet. But I do know that as I read, um, a former NFL player posted on Twitter and Instagram that George Floyd, um, George Floyd had, they, they tried to show a picture that said that he had a tattoo on his chest that represented the Freemason, right? Um, and it stated that there was some type of connection to the former, uh, basketball player, NBA basketball player, who everybody know, like he calls him his, his twin. 
um, being connected to the Freemasons, he, himself and his father being connected to the Freemasons. And that they were trying to say, or he was trying to say, that George Floyd's death was a conspiracy and that it was some type of sacrifice for the government to ultimately impose martial law. Now, I'm going to let y'all think about that for a second. Okay? That's a big one right there. That's a huge one. Like, if they're saying that this death was some type of conspiracy, how deep does the rabbit hole go? Right? How deep does the rabbit hole go? Think about it for a second. If they're saying that his death was some type of sacrifice for the government to ultimately impose martial law. Now, think about martial law like what they're already, pretty much what they're already trying to do, using the military to control society, right? Thinking that we, what we're, what's happening right now, which is the true fact, that we're in such an outroar, that we're so taken and so upset by it, that we're doing anything to, by any means necessary to shut things down, right? That's what we're doing. Now, if they're trying to impose that on us, think about that for a second. Like I said, I won't mention no names, but number 45, is that's, that's his mental, that's his thinking, that's his thought process to actually think that using, his, using George Floyd's death to kind of notify like a conspiracy just, just because they, they knew that we were going to be in an uproar, maybe not even to this level. They knew we were going to be in an uproar, but maybe not even to this level, right? So much so that we will be what we're doing. And I don't mean like the all the conspiracies, and we could talk about that too, but the conspiracies behind like um, the looters and all that getting caught up in the rioters, getting caught up in the actual peaceful protest, that's a whole nother conspiracy. But I say that to why we think about some thinking process behind this because think about it. COVID-19 was still going on. And, and this is my personal theory behind this, right? This is my personal theory. And anybody in here could push me on this. Anybody in here could push me on this, right? Um, if I feel or if I think that COVID-19 is an actual issue and it's causing real deaths, regardless if I don't know anybody, I mean, you know, I did have people in my family, but not, not know anybody close in proximity in my neighborhood. And it don't really affect me, but I'm going to listen to the stay at home orders and follow through what they tell me to do. There's not really a conspiracy behind it. I'm actually following what I'm thinking. Well, I really believe what happened is that number 45 was thinking that when he put these orders and he was trying to urge these governors to put these stay-at-home orders in place, he probably thought that our people was going to be out here wilding. And I don't mean at a small number. He probably thought that we were going to do it in large, excuse me, large numbers. Large numbers. He probably thought that after the governors and all these states put these stay-at-home orders, he probably thought 90% of us would be like, hell no, we're not staying home. Nah, what? You talking about, bro? Nah, what? Can't tell me no curfew. What? Nah, he probably thought that. But you know what? My neighborhood, my cul-de-sac, my friends, my my even my closest hundred people in, inside of my, my my followers, 
They talking positive on this thing. They talking about staying home. They was leasing the Mama Keisha Bottoms. They was listening. Most of the people I know and associate with, they was listening. They were staying home. They were staying home. So I, I feel like if, if the thing was what happened was COVID-19 happened, of course, there are real deaths. There are real things happening. But like I said, the conspiracy behind it, like, and versus the being conscious about it is like, if he, if, if number 45 really thought that all our black people was just going to be raising up 90%, 95% was going to be like, nah, we're not doing this curfew thing. Right? It didn't work because I feel like I'm not, I don't know the statistics. Like I said, I'm not, a, I'm not, I'm not an expert on this. I don't know the statistics, but I do know that I feel like it was, if it wasn't 50, 50, it was a good amount of us staying our behinds home, wearing masks, social distancing, right? So it's like him and his boys went into the office like, damn, that, that didn't even work. You know what I'm saying? That didn't work. Who got comment? Um, since it was supporters that fought against stay at home order. Right. So, I mean, that's a part of the conspiracy too, but it's like, it's, it's, it's a conspiracy because I don't see any power at hand really trying to push the fact that, um, like we had, he had all those, his supporters showing up with the, with the rifles and the, the assault weapons, right? Over health orders, right? Like, I know we talked about it, but honestly, I didn't see a lot of media behind that. I did not see a lot of coverage behind that. They talked about it for a little minute, saw some video. Boom. What happened with that? Like, what happened to it? It just disappeared off media? I want somebody to go into their hashtags right now and try to find it. It just randomly disappeared. Like, I don't, I, like, where did, where did it go? Right? That's what I said. It's like, that's the, for me, that's the part of conspiracy. The other part about being conscious, being woke about it is understanding that that was a real thing. And you saw exactly how he handled that. 